Hi everyone, this is Josh Hoffman and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. Today I have Brad Kugler, the CEO of Direct Mail 2.0, a marketing-based solution designed to seamlessly track clients' direct mail campaigns and enhance the overall result through cross-channel marketing. Welcome, Brad. Thank you, Josh. Pleasure to be here. Glad to have you. Uh, so I want to jump right into it because I think you have a little bit different business than a lot of the guests that we've spoken with in the past. Uh, so do you mind actually just opening up uh, and describing the business a little bit more? Absolutely. So we're, we're a specialty marketing automation platform that takes your regular direct mail. And when I say direct mail, I'm talking about usually marketing or advertising mail, the quote unquote junk mail you get in your, in your mailbox. And what we do is we provide a technology layer with about 11 different uh, digital processes that lift that direct mail, usually 23 to 46%. And the best part is it's pretty cheap. It's under 10 cents a piece to provide those 10, 11 different digital services. And what is the uh, 11? Can you kind of describe a little bit more about that? Sure. I, I, not to, so I don't get everybody, lose everybody in the first minute here, but they range from things like tracking and reporting, such as the post office reports, actual delivery of every piece of mail now, just like a package. We use informed delivery. If you haven't used that through the post office, you can see what is coming in your mailbox that morning. Usually around 7 a.m., you'll get a digital scanned image, sometimes with a link and a little explanation of what's in the mail. So it, it provides an advertising opportunity and an engagement uh, resource. You can click that email. It'll take you to the desired website or the call to action, whatever it is. That's also through the post office uh, calling and SMS reporting and tracking. So any good piece of marketing mail will have a phone number on it. And what happens if they text to that phone number or they call that phone number, that interaction is recorded with the caller or texter's details so that it can be followed up on later. It's memorialized forever. We also do a cool little thing where we take the address list. So every mailing obviously has a list of addresses. And that list of addresses can be transformed into a digital marketing, a highly targeted digital marketing campaign. So the same guys that are getting the mail in their mailbox are also getting social media ads on Instagram and Facebook. They're getting Google ads. They're getting uh, this new Google discovery ads, YouTube ads. It happens almost simultaneously. We start delivering these digital ads, usually a couple days before the mail hits, and we continue to deliver these pieces of digital ads for about 30 days. We also do retargeting. So anybody who goes to the website, which hopefully every piece of marketing mail has a website that someone can go to to get more, uh, more information or it has a QR code, well, we record those QR code visits. We also then retarget the visitors with that same call to action and that same creative. So again, now rather than just seeing that one piece of ink on paper in the mailbox, we're usually getting 8 to 16 additional impressions for every single piece of mail sent. Again, for usually under a dime per piece. And what does that do? I mean, we all know about repetition and marketing. It lifts engagement, it lifts responses, and, and that's the goal. We have an extra little thing we do at the end, but we'll, we'll get into that as a secondary topic. Uh, yeah, I think I, I would say that sales is a bunch of one-liners and, and you can almost learn how to do all of sales uh, while well, take something from sales. Uh, and I think the one thing that's relative to this is 
and I think they're in the same college or something, is eight touch points to a sale usually. And I think a lot of people, uh, they try to go in and they try to close that sale after one or two touch points, whether it's cold call, uh, whether it's one piece of mail, one piece of email, whatever it is. Um, and I think once you get in the mentality of that, there's, you know, it's typically eight touch points to a sale, you start to look at how are other, not only ways, but creative ways to kind of get in front of that person. So um, I think that adds to it a little bit too. Exactly. And, and that's really the whole premise behind our product is eight to 12 touch points to create a sale. So if I can deliver eight to 16, your, you know, your chances of an engagement at least or, or an ROI on that or, or conversion is much higher. You know, if you look at every major brand in the world that everybody knows off the, the tip of their tongue, like Starbucks or Coca-Cola or Pepsi or Nike or all these brands, what have they done? They have hit you on multiple channels dozens and dozens and dozens of times till that message or that brand is second nature. All right. I'm not saying that we can take one piece of mail and create a Coca-Cola brand out of it. You know, They spent a lot more money to create that sort of instant recognition, but it's the same process just amplified a million times. Uh, and I'll continue to add that um, I think you know what makes advertising, if you have anything to add to this, what makes advertising so successful uh, is seeing it in two different spots. So the, the cheap and easy example that I always go with is if you see it on a bus and then you see it on TV, there's just a little bit more oomph to it, to an advertising that you kind of start to connect the dots and you get a lot more power um, from seeing it, obviously more than two, but at least two different places, not just commercial, 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 but commercial bus mail. Um, so I don't know if you, yep. And they look like they're from multiple sources. So you're gaining a social proof. You're, 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 even if you're not consciously registering every single impression, that image is imprint, imprinting itself and it's going to become recognizable. So, and, and one of the things I'd like to kind of go back to is it, this is rooted in direct mail. And people say, well, ah, direct mail, ink on paper, that's so 1990s. And, you know, who's, who's doing that? Well, let me tell you about direct mail. First of all, it's tactile. Tactile means you can touch it. You go to your mailbox every day, you pull out that pile, and that pile sometimes is three or four pieces. You look at every one. Whether you stand over the garbage can and flip through them and throw them all in the garbage, doesn't matter. You are looking at every one and it's registering. You're giving it two to five seconds of attention. You don't do that with banner ads, even emails these days. It's delete, 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 delete without even reading it, if you even read the subject line these days. So you're scanning your email for names that you recognize, and you're basically deleting until you see names you, re- you, re- you recognize. So mail has become a very uncrowded field. The average person gets 10,000 marketing messages a day, okay? Hundreds of emails, thousands of digital impressions, Signs, billboards, commercials. How many pieces of mail in your mailbox? Maybe the average person is getting four ads in their mailbox per day. So where are you more likely to capture an audience? When you have four messages in a, in a two-minute time span or when you have 400 while you're sitting at your computer browsing the internet? 400. It's probably more like 4,000. So mail is sort of the undiscovered secret. And that's that's kind of the I guess you could say that's my mantra. That's what I'm bringing light to. So you want to talk about mail? I'm all in. Well, I'll actually give you another few minutes if you want it. Uh, is there any other data points that are worth mentioning? Yeah, there's there's a lot. And, and forgive me, I don't have a list of them. <laughs> but we do enough of these to where the um, the memory or the, the ability of people to remember an ad 
of mail over almost any other ad, it's something like 20 times more memorable. All right. The other thing with mail is even though it may go into the trash can, you t- almost every day someone takes that piece of mail, puts it on the refrigerator or bulletin board or saves it on the kitchen table for someone else to read. And additionally, it's seen by more people. If you get a marketing email, are you showing it to other people? Are other people in your household seeing it? They're not seeing it. So you you have a conversion rate of mail that is literally 100 times higher than any specific or single digital ad. Now, I'm not negating that digital isn't worth it, but combining both of these processes is very effective. And that's really the point here. Um, I can tell you that the digital marketing, I'm sorry, the direct marketing association that used to be much bigger in the 90s and the early 2000s, who sort of was the industry leader about direct mail. When you send out a uh, unsolicited piece of mail to a prospect list, these are people that you have somehow thought would be possibly interested in your product. The average is about a 2% response rate. All right. When you send out a piece of direct mail to a customer list, these are existing customers, you get a 9% conversion or response rate. I don't believe there's any piece of digital advertising or even linear advertising that comes close to that. Now, okay, well, wow, this is so great. Why is not? Why is everyone not doing this? It's expensive, all right? You're spending straight up 50 cents to a dollar per piece. You know, so you you want to you want to get your message out to five thousand people. You're looking at five grand. This is not something that everybody's ready to do. You could do a digital campaign for two hundred fifty bucks a month. Probably won't get the same results, but you feel like you're reaching more people. Sure, you're getting impressions to twenty or thirty thousand people, but at that recognition or engagement rate of like point one percent, are you really getting anywhere? You know, so. Um, I can give you more stats, but go ahead and ask the next question. Well, damn, I'm glad I I asked that question. I think that was really good. And maybe uh, I will trickle in some more stats throughout, uh, unless you have something that you think is worth saying, but uh, it'll come to me, you know, as, as you pull, I'll I'll give you one other. So remember I told you guy, I told you we have this other product. Okay. So all of our, our marketing platform takes you from the point, the mail piece hits the mail stream delivered to the post office to then be distributed to the to the end user to the point of delivery and then 30 days after. Well, one of the things we've created is this product called Lead Match. So if the results or the intention of the mail is to get somebody to go to a website, which 96% of people who receive an offer, whether it's online or in the mail, they go to a website and research the company, right? So we have a product called Lead Match, which takes that visitor and gives back a residential or business address. Like, where did they come from? So we stay a thousand miles out of the uh, PII or, or, or privacy world because a residential address is public information. We're not telling you who was on that site, and we're not telling you anything about them personally. But what we do say is we say, hey, someone from 4521 Main Street, apartment 3A, went to your website, they spent 10 minutes, they visited six pages, they clicked on three links, and here are the links they clicked on, and here are the pages they spent the most time on. Now, obviously, if you're, if you're an astute marketer, you're like, wow, that means I know what somebody did at that house. 
they spent time on a certain page and they clicked on a certain page, well, what better thing to send them a hyper-personalized postcard or note in the mail? This gives them an offer for whatever page they were on that will hopefully bring them back and bring a very quick conversion. Um, we see our, I'm sorry, we see conversion rates north of 10%. We had one recently on a client that hit 26%. So they wanted, and I'll give you an example without giving away too much. Imagine you have a shoe site and you had a guy who spent all his time on a certain brand of boots. So you send him a coupon to his house. You don't know who was on it for that, for a, a boot discount. You don't want to be creepy and say, we saw you on this page at this time and we know you want this boot. So here's a coupon for it. No, no, that would be, that would ruffle some feathers in the wrong kind of way. But it definitely, if done right, where it, it sort of just rekindles that interest. It sort of brings them back. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I like those. I'm going to go back to that page and use that coupon. So this is a whole new category of marketing called uh, direct mail retargeting. Some people call it programmatic direct mail, which I found out is copyrighted. So I don't want to use that term too much. But programmatic or direct mail retargeting. Retargeting meaning they went to the website, they had some interest in something, and now you're sending them an offer for whatever they seem to spend the most time on. Uh, again, for for a dollar per piece or a dollar per target, how awesome is that to get a potential 10 to 20% conversion rate on a piece of mail? And it can all be automated to where that mail goes out literally the next morning with that coupon. It goes out first class. They probably get it in 72 to 96 hours, and it's still somewhat fresh in their mind. This whole process is done every day. It's automated. I believe this is the next killer app for highly targeted marketing, which we do, of course. How convenient. Uh, I was going to ask if there what actionable steps, uh, so I'm glad you kind of checked that off. Um, but I, I am glad that we broke this down because, again, you know, this is not something that we typically talk about, and I think, therefore, it does have a lot of power uh, for, for listeners and everything. So. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we kind of reviewed that, but I'm going to take a step back now uh, and actually ask you, how did the business start? Uh, first customer, the beginnings. Sure. So uh, I'll tell you my story to come to this, this type of business is pretty interesting. I was spent 20 years in an industry that was completely disrupted by technology. I had an e-commerce site that exclusively uh, sold CDs and DVDs. We did phenomenal. We were we were a number one reseller on Amazon. We had a great destination website. Hundreds of thousands of customers. We sold millions of units a year. And phenomenal business. And I'm sure everybody's heard of iTunes and Netflix and every other streaming guy that came by. And, you know, obviously you can see what, what happened. And everybody, the first question is, well, why didn't you get into that too? You know what? You you saw the streaming coming. Trust me. I saw this coming literally back in the late 90s. And, and we knew. And we tried everything. We were working on partnerships with Hulu and Netflix to sub-license streaming content for specific categories, for specific markets. We tried to create some of our own uh, content that we had licensed for CDs and DVDs. And that world was so expensive and the cost to entry was literally minimally low nine figures. You know, we were, we were a $25 million company of 50 people 
and you know pay to play being at least a hundred to two hundred million dollars it was just not in our world you know and companies like apple and 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 amazon it, it was not a it wasn't a competition that we would have ever succeeded in so as i rode this cd and dvd commerce business up from zero to 25 million and rode it all the way back to zero uh come 2016 you know i said all right well i'm never doing another business that's going to get disrupted by technology i'm going to jump the fence and be on the other side of this and uh with the digital marketing world ever changing i knew that as long as i keep myself educated and and find a proper niche this will not be a disrupted business for me. So, you know, we looked at direct mail, me and my partner, and, you know, she's like, listen, we do stuff. But my partner is actually in the direct mail business. She's been a printer for 25 years. And we created this product and we spun it off as its own company. And we concentrate on lifting direct mail through digital technology. And that is the sole purpose. And I hope that I don't fall asleep at the wheel and get disrupted again. (laughs) And then how did you, uh, how did you guys get your first, either first customer, first few customers? Well, interesting enough, the the product was actually being used in its infantile quote unquote beta form within this uh, direct mail company called Postcard Mania. And Joy's team who developed it, it was just, you know, I talk about it. We have 11 digital technologies. They had three at the time. And she, she actually contacted me and said, Hey, look, I know you're a technology guy. And I know that you have, you've ridden technology up and all the way back down the other side. What about coming on and doing this? And so as soon as I was brought on, the technology was spun off. I added obviously these eight other features to ensure that it's leaps and bounds ahead of any potential competitor. Um, You know, we're using, we're using technology that people use all the day, every day, phone tracking, Google ads, Facebook ads, you know, uh, post office integration with their uh, tracking systems. So I couldn't allow a super ease of entry business. I had to have a more robust, a more call it sexy product with more with a larger feature set to ensure that I wouldn't be caught too quickly. And, you know, we succeeded in that and we're continuing to innovate. And uh, we've got a ton of products that we're planning to add in the coming months and years to this suite of services. And I guess for anyone that is either looking to start a marketing agency or maybe is, is fairly new still to the game, uh, what lessons do you think you personally took uh, from that beginning process, whether it's failures and or successes? Uh, you know, it's interesting because in marketing, everybody knows there's no guarantee in marketing. You know, somebody may have the greatest marketing idea and then execute on it it works phenomenally and they're like, great, we're going to do this for the next guy. And it fails miserably. All right. I can't tell you how many ideas I've come up with, with a, a headline or a creative or a, or a technology or service I wanted to add to our platform and it didn't work. It, it's, it's all about testing, you know, and I think marketing people are pretty, I get, I, I want to say they're risk adverse because the failure rate in marketing is probably higher than most other than maybe the restaurant industry. But, you know, you have to be willing to fail and iterate and retest and retest. It's it's constant iteration in this. But, you know, we have found an industry that works being direct mail, albeit expensive, and it was ripe for a technology improvement. 
So to me, it made sense. And, and sticking with that niche, you know, you when you stick with a certain niche, you learn more more about that niche. You you understand the customers, you understand the industry, and you're able to grow. If you're an agency trying to be all things to all people, you have more competition. Obviously, you are constantly jumping between different technologies or different industry types, never really getting that expert knowledge base for that particular specialization. And I think that harms a lot of agencies that try to be everything to all people. Yeah, I've done both. I've done the tried to cast a wide net uh, starting a company and it was much tougher. And I've done the let's stay really focused, uh, which works so much better. So uh I agree. But I'll tell you a downside to that, which, you know, honestly, we're running into. So if your market is too narrow, there's something called SAM, service service addressable market. Like how big is your market? So if you go too narrow, you can tap out that market in relatively short time. So there's no unicorn status if your market is too narrow. You know, if you're, I'll I'll be honest, there's only about 10,000 direct mail printers in the United States. All right. And of those, maybe a fraction of them actually do marketing or direct or marketing mail. Some of them may be bills or magazines or things that are not quite uh, aligned to our process. So it's important that, yes, specialization and concentration is good, but watch the market size too because you could be limited to your growth. Now, if you only want to have a $5 million business and that's cool with you, then, then hey, go narrow, man. You, you may be limiting your growth too yeah, if you go I too far. Agree. You mentioned uh, testing. What, what tools do you guys use to do all your testing? I mean, it tri- honestly, it comes down to trial and error. I mean, we, we, I'll give you a perfect example. So when I say testing, we testing not so much marketing ideas as much as marketing channels. So, you know, we've done really well with the Google Display Network. We've done really well with Meta and, you know, Facebook and Instagram marketing. We really were getting a lot of customer pressure to add a LinkedIn marketing arm for the B2B campaigns. And um, so at the request or demand, I should say, of many customers, you know, why aren't you doing LinkedIn? Why aren't you doing LinkedIn? You know, we're a B2B company. We don't care about Facebook or Google. I said, all right, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Half a dozen tries with different campaigns for different industries, we just cannot get a click-through rate or, or a CPM rate that's viable. And, and I don't know what it is. Is it the audience? Is it as interactive? You know, you're on Google Display Network, ad delivery platforms every day. You're on, everybody's on Facebook hours a day. But how long are people actually spending on LinkedIn every day? So I think you've got an issue there. And this is something we've tried and tried. And we announced we were rolling it out and we had it all architected. But I just can't make – I can make money on it, but I know the client isn't going to make money. So I can't in good conscience roll this product out and have every client just be, hey, disappointed in the results. you know. And then that's going to reflect on me at some point. So I, I've – that's an example of a test that failed that was really in demand that I couldn't make work financially for anybody. And if you had to teach something uh, to other marketers, what, what do you think that would be? Wow. I mean, you know, people ask me this about business in general. Um, I'd have to say it's persistence. It, it's, it's fail, iterate, fail, iterate, fail, iterate. You know, um, don't be afraid of fail. Don't be afraid of taking too much risks. You know, 
people that are too cautious have growth caps. You know, on the other side of coin, people that are, are, are frivolous and uncareful end up having a big old mess, you know, financial losses that they can't absorb. So I've always been a big believer in, in failure, the failure and iteration cycle um, more than, than anything, to be honest with you. Is, is it possible to go too far and, and, and would you identify anything that says maybe maybe you are pushing a little too far? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is an innate sort of gut feeling that obviously some people possess like like a magician and some people don't know when to stop either. So I don't know that that's something that you can even teach, you know, you got to look at what you're spending. You got to look at your burn rate. You got to look at, you know, how, how much am I pouring into this before I realize it's not going to work. You have to know when to stop too. You know, um, we'll usually do things that customers are requesting first because there's obviously a demand rather than I wake up one morning, I go, I have a great idea, which, you know, happens too much. But then my first thing is let me talk to the sales team about it because they're the ones who would be on the front line. If they're just absolutely like, this is a bunch of garbage and nobody's going to want this, you know, and I, I don't just back off. I'm like, well, how do you know? Give me an example. Let's get a customer on the phone and then we'll start talking to customers. Would this marketing avenue work? Would this seem like something that would work for your industry or your business? Yes or no. I need their buy-in because if this is not marketable or sellable, I'm going to have a hard time even getting people to test it. Even if I absorb the tests, you know, so I start with customer and salesperson buy-in before I go with my own idea. I'm, listen, I'm not Steve Jobs who would have come up with something like an iPad and spent half a billion dollars investing in it, hoping someone would buy it. You know, it's a rare person that can do that. And I, I know my limits and I'm not that guy. Where do you see the marketing industry going? So whether that's, you know, direct marketing, uh, digital marketing, direct mail, you know, where do you see all that combining together and, and moving in the future? I, I definitely see uh, omni-channel, meaning using multiple channels to hyper-target the most likely buyers. I think, I think the days, I don't think nothing's going away, but I think spending huge amounts of money on spray and pray, as we call it, are, are going to come become less and less, especially in the direct mail where it's more expensive. You know, at a dollar a target, a spray and pray gets too expensive unless you're a neighborhood business and you want to hit everybody on the, on the, in the zip code. So as people want to be more targeted in their mail, that anything that enables better targeting of most likely to buy is going to exceed because it has real cost savings, you know? So there's a lot of products that mine your CRM for more likely candidates that can then use those lists to target digitally or target through direct mail. Or now these days, you can take an addressable named list and target them with TV ads on, on through your cable box or your Apple TV or any of these stations like Tubi or Pluto and target exactly the people that you want. So the guy gets a piece of mail, he gets sees it in his social media feed, he now sees it when he's watching his old movie on Pluto or Tubi or even someday Hulu and Netflix, you know? Uh, no, I think, yeah, that, that completely makes sense. And, and coming up to our last question, what do you enjoy talking about the most that you normally don't get an opportunity to talk about? 
You know, I'm, I'm beginning to move into this quote-unquote data geek sort of label. And one of the projects we're working on is, you know, we've tracked and launched campaigns for a quarter billion pieces of mail. So we have all of the engagement, all of the creative, and all of the stats for a quarter billion pieces of mail across 150 different verticals. So I'm I'm trying to learn this data industry and because I think I've got something here that nobody has, which is a direct mail response tracking benchmarking data platform that I've been compiling over the last couple of years. So I'm sort of absorbing how do I monetize it, how to make it better, how do I package it, and I'm learning from a lot of data people. So I like talking about data now. Any, any book recommendations, whether it's business, marketing, self-help, anything like that? Sure. I can tell you right now I'm, I'm reading uh, Dr. Sinclair's book, The Lifespan, uh, basically biohacking and, and how we can live to 100 years plus in perfect health. Uh, he's a Harvard-renowned biologist, and you know I'm in my mid-50s, so you know mortality thoughts are now starting to become more prevalent. Uh, he's a brilliant writer, and he's got a great podcast. So Dr. Sinclair, book's called Lifespan. Awesome. And anything else on the book side? Uh, that's the one I've been listening to every day, so it's top of the, top of the mind. Um, Sanjay Gupta's book on biohacking as well. Uh, so I'm sort of in this like uh, mortality fountain of youth search right now. So that's that's where my head's at. I'll throw some stoic uh, readings over to you. They, that's like one Please of the core, core uh, competencies. Uh, so as we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you um, an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else that you'd like to end with. Absolutely. Thank you again, Josh. Uh, it's Brad Kugler. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Direct Mail 2.0. And honestly, the easiest way is come to our website, dm20.com. That's dm20.com. Awesome. Really appreciate you coming on the show and thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. DevNoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.